That led to an entire preventative paradigm for the counterterrorism approach to the government. Where we were going to war, we were being proactive, we were using intelligence proactively, and we were going to use our tools and authorities very aggressively. That then meant for the Treasury Department, not to mention Department of Justice and others, but for the Treasury Department, how do you use financial information more aggressively? How do we think about the use of tools and authorities that the Treasury has, like sanctions, anti-money laundering rules? How do we think about the relationships internationally with central banks, finance ministries? How do we get the world on board to disrupt terrorist financing, to rip these organizations out of the legitimate financial and commercial world? That really became then the focus of the Treasury Department. How do we do all of that in a much bigger, more aggressive way than it had ever been done before? And then tactically was the question of, okay, what authorities do we put in place? The new executive order for freezing assets and putting sanctions in place against terrorist groups. For almost all Americans, 9-11 is the seminal event in the history of our country. For the first time since December 7, 1941, the U.S. mainland was attacked. 9-11 unleashed forces and changes in America, unlike since the 20 years of the Great Depression and World War II. This special six-part podcast series will look at these changes from the perspective of compliance professionals who are impacted by 9-11 and the changes to their areas of compliance. Hello, this is Vint Siani, founder and president of Affiliated Monitors. On September 11th, 2001, it was a few years before I started the company. I was still working as an attorney in a Boston law firm. That morning, I was taking a deposition in our conference room at 50 Rose Wharf, which looked out at the Boston Harbor towards Logan Airport. It was around 8.45 a.m. when we looked out at the airport and noticed that all of the air traffic had stopped. Since Logan's a busy airport, it was very strange and disconcerting. Even the usual boat traffic on the harbor had stopped that morning. We then noticed some snipers on the top of the new U.S. courthouse, which we faced. We knew something was wrong then. When we finally started watching the news, reality hit home. I lost my childhood best friend that day, who was killed when a plane hit the second tower. It was such a profoundly sad day that will remain with me forever. I hope you find this special podcast series moderated by Tom Fox and sponsored by Affiliated Monitors to cause you to remember that impactful day. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Juan Zarate. Juan is the Global Co-Managing Partner and Chief Strategy Officer at K2 Integrity. Juan, first of all, thank you for joining me and taking the time to visit with me on this very personal project where I'm commemorating the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Well, Tom, first of all, thank you for having me and thank you for doing the series. I really appreciate it. Juan, could I ask you what was your profession and then your job, job duties on 9-11? Tom, I started as a federal prosecutor. After clerking for a federal judge, I went and was a junior prosecutor in the terrorism section at the Department of Justice. It used to be called the Terrorism and Violent Crime Section. I learned at the feet of the great federal prosecutors who were going after al-Qaeda, Hamas, domestic terrorists in the late 90s. And so that's how I got into the counterterrorism field. And three weeks before 
9-11, I shifted jobs. I went to the Treasury Department to begin to work on international enforcement issues, anti-money laundering, anti-corruption, anti-terrorist financing. And of course, on 9-11, the world changed, the mission for the Treasury changed, and my job changed. And I was put in a position where I could help reshape the way that the Treasury Department became a part of the national security establishment, and we went after terrorist financing to try to disrupt and dismantle al-Qaeda's terrorist networks and infrastructure and disrupt how illicit financing was flowing through the international system. I was at the Treasury Department on 9-11. Could I take you back to that day and ask you a little bit about, you said you were at the Treasury Department. Where were you physically? How did you find out about the attacks? And what were you feeling at that point? Tom, I was on the fourth floor of the Treasury Department facing south. So for those of you who know the geography of Washington, the south-facing part of the Treasury faces the courtyard that has the Alexander Hamilton statue, obviously first secretary of the Treasury. And then it overlooks the Washington Monument. And then you can see across the river to the other side to Virginia. That gave me a view right to the Pentagon, Tom. And so I had a TV in my office obviously watching with horror as to what was happening in New York, watching the smoke billow from the first World Trade Center building, and trying to sort of figure out what was happening like everybody else, but very much worried because I had been a terrorism prosecutor for a number of years, and obviously we'd been worried about al-Qaeda. We'd been watching what had happened in the early 90s of the World Trade Center. And so I got on the phone to my friends at the Department of Justice, whom I had just left, and said, hey, you guys need to make sure you're watching this. And if you haven't seen it, you need to turn on the TV because I think something bad's happening. The folks that I had talked to hadn't seen it, actually. So they got on the on their TVs, and folks were obviously scrambling at that point. But as those moments unfolded, we recognized that something very different was happening and that we were under attack. And we felt something. And when I looked south across the windows from the office, you could see smoke billowing from the Pentagon. So from the fourth floor of the Treasury Department, looking out uh, across the river, you could see smoke rising. Could I ask what were the changes, either legal or at the Department of Justice strategic-wise, that changed the DOT's role in the fight against terrorism after 9-11? Tom, there's really three three ways of answering that. At the strategic level, at, at the departmental level, and then the tactical level, I'll take them very quickly for you. Strategically, what happened at that point was the government decided, and the, the president decided very clearly, we're now at war, right? We can't sit back. We can't just sort of follow these cases after the fact. We're not here to just prosecute people. We now have to prevent these attacks from happening. So once we dealt with the crisis of the day and we were through that, the, the attitude and the strategic direction of the government was, we now have to prevent terrorist attacks. We have to disrupt and dismantle terrorist networks. And that led to an entire preventative paradigm for the counterterrorism approach to the government. Where we were going to war, we were being proactive. We were using intelligence proactively, and we were going to use our tools and authorities very aggressively. That then meant for the Treasury Department, not to mention Department of Justice and others, but for the Treasury Department, how do you use financial information more aggressively? How do we think about the use of tools and authorities that the Treasury has, like sanctions, anti-money laundering rules? How do we think about the relationships internationally with central banks, finance ministries? How do we get the world on board to disrupt terrorist financing, to rip these organizations out of the legitimate financial and commercial world 
that really became then the focus of the Treasury Department. How do we do all of that in a much bigger, more aggressive way than it had ever been done before? And then tactically was the question of, okay, what authorities do we put in place? The new executive order for freezing assets and putting sanctions in place against terrorist groups, those supporting them, those providing financial support, including potentially banks, expanding the anti-money laundering system, the Bank Secrecy Act. There was Title III of the Patriot Act that broadened and deepened the anti-money laundering system, and then enabling the international community. So we, we launched with the Financial Action Task Force new standards for combating terrorist financing, things like dealing with cash couriers, other elements of the financial system where we needed to make sure that the international community, and in particular the banks and the banking centers, We're doing everything possible to prevent terrorists from getting into the system. So that was a wholesale shift that happened over time, but was pretty quickly sort of a clear mandate from the president to prevent another attack and to do everything to disrupt and dismantle terrorist networks. Well, could I ask you what your role in that fight was? Were you at the tactical level? Were you at the strategic level? Were you at a mix of both? What changed for you personally? Tom, I was very lucky because I, in some ways, had both roles. I was, you know, having come from the Department of Justice, having worked with the FBI, the CIA, and the intelligence community, and the State Department on counterterrorism, I I knew the counterterrorism landscape. I knew the threats that were there. I knew how these organizations operated for the most part. And so I was asked to take a leadership role within the Treasury for the Secretary and the Undersecretary at the time to help strategize and to develop our approach. And so I was very fortunate that I had a seat at the table to be able to do that. You know, early on, Tom, I was able to, you know, travel quite a bit with the Secretary of the Treasury to try to get international cooperation on combating terrorist financing. One of my, you know, first trips with the Secretary was to Afghanistan right after we had invaded. We went to meet with officials. We went to see the lay of the land to understand what the challenges were both in terms of trying to support a new Afghan government, but also to try to combat the Taliban and terrorist financing. Went back in 2003. I traveled all around the world working with central banks, finance ministries, all over the world to try to build cooperation. And then at home, I was a representative of the Treasury Department in the national security sort of system. So I would represent the Treasury at the White House for meetings on these issues. And I eventually as a result, moved to the White House for President Bush to be the Deputy National Security Advisor for Counterterrorism in 2005. So I moved from the Treasury then to the White House for four years to direct those issues from the National Security Council. As part of that role, did you assist in creating the the new legal framework? You mentioned the Patriot Act, of course, and the expansion of the Bank Secrecy Act. Was that within the ambit of Treasury or was that more on the Congress's side? Well, certainly the passage of the Patriot Act was Congress's doing, obviously, but we were working very closely with Congress, with the Department of Justice, with other parts of the government to put that in place. We were also, Tom, responsible for all the sanctions that were being put in place in concert with the State Department and the Department of Justice. So the executive orders that were coming out, the lists of terrorists, terrorist organizations, terrorist supporting organizations came from us guidelines for how the nonprofit community should safeguard against the abuse from terrorist financing came from us. Keep in mind that we, on 9-11, you had the Treasury Department responsible for the administration of all the sanctions for the U.S. government, 
administration of the Bank Secrecy Act, so all the anti-money laundering issues. The first was OFAC, the second through FinCEN. We also had all the international policy responsibilities doing the financial diplomacy on these issues. And we also had, at the time, 40% of federal law enforcement. So we had Customs, Secret Service, FLETSI, the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. We had the ATF. So we were dealing with a whole range of issues to include the air marshals. I, I had responsibility for contributing to the, to the training of air marshals because we were running the training center for the federal government. So the whole range of things we were doing tactically and legally to try to amplify what we were doing from a, a U.S. government and a Treasury perspective. Juan, well, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode, but I wanted to conclude by asking you, what are your reflections now as we come up on the 20th anniversary of the day of 9-11 and that date, and really what it meant for America and for you 20 years later? Well, Tom, thank you for the question. It's mixed emotions because anytime you think back to that day, you have to think back to the horrors of the day and the victims and the victims' families. And so that that's the first thing I think about. But it's clear that that's a day that changed history. It changed the way that the U.S. government viewed the world. It's, it changed the way that we operated our strategy. It changed a sense of our vulnerability. The reality was we'd been struck by a non-state terrorist group from the hinterlands of Afghanistan. We were the sole remaining superpower, and we were hit in the heart of our political and commercial capitals. You know, that was a shocking moment, and that led to everything from the invasion to Afghanistan, later in part an invasion of Iraq, and a whole range of other things, and, and then institutional changes at Treasury, the creation of the Office of Terrorism and Financial Intelligence, DHS, a whole range of other things that people know. It was a, a revolutionary, tragic, problematic day. And, Tom, I'll be honest with you, given recent events in Afghanistan, hard to watch what's happened in Afghanistan in light of 9-11, knowing that we went in to try to disrupt terrorist safe haven and knowing, again, that we've got to contend with a, a country that's under the control of the Taliban and a group that's closely allied with al-Qaeda still and willing to give them support. So. I have very mixed emotions coming on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, but I'm very proud of the work that we did. I'm proud of uh, the people I served with, and my sympathies go out to the victims and their families. Juan, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me for this episode and share your personal reflections on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate the opportunity. It It was great being with you. This is Tom Fox. I hope you found Juan Zarate's thoughts and reflections as powerful as I did. He took us through his role in the fight against terrorism after 9-11. He was in Washington when the plane hit the Pentagon and had personal experiences and reminiscences from that day. He talked about the response from the Department of Treasury, once again, recognizing that we were at war and what the Department of Treasury did to ramp up financial crimes compliance, and the work in anti-terrorism and anti-terrorist financing compliance. He ended with some very personal reflections, which he called mixed emotions about looking back 20 years later. He had personal relationships with the new Afghan administration that came in after the invasion of Afghanistan. He worked with many of the key leaders to help in the fight against terrorism and terrorism financing. And it's clear to me that 
looking back, particularly after the fall of Kabul and the fall of Afghanistan, that he really does have mixed emotions. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I hope that you found it as poignant and as moving as I did. I hope you'll join me tomorrow where I have Professor Alexander Dill, who's going to talk about legal changes brought about by the Patriot Act. This series was produced by the team at One Stone Creative, proud partner of the Compliance Podcast Network. Listen to more excellent podcasts at compliancepodcastnetwork.net and learn about One Stone Creative at onestonecreative.net.